Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for who you are and how you are. We thank you for the wonder of your presence, Lord. And today we celebrate you coming to us. We celebrate God taking on flesh. We thank you, Lord, for this celebration today. We thank you for all who have come. And now, Lord, we hope to lift our voice in praise to you through preaching. It's our prayer that you will bless every word and thought that's spoken, not just the speaker, but the receivers of the word, Lord. We thank you for another opportunity to celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus, on this side of glory, because we know on the other side, it won't even matter. No, no, we'll live with you forever in majesty. Lord, we thank you for who you are and how you are. We thank you for loving us enough for sending this rescue plan to us named Jesus. It's in his name that we lift this prayer. Amen. Oh, come. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I'm so glad to see y'all this morning. I am. I'm glad to see you this morning. You are a present to me today. I'm grateful that you got up with the Lord on your mind today. Glad you decided that he was worth celebrating. I'm also glad that you and your family decided that you could press pause on your personal celebration and come to a congregational celebration because it would not have been the same without you being here. And to those of you who are with us in virtual land who could not be here, we feel your presence and we feel your prayers. And we ask you to continue celebrating with us. We've been in a sermon series this month in the season leading up to today, Advent, talking about Jesus' coming. And today we're celebrating his arrival. The sermon series has been entitled Christmas Playlist. Christmas Playlist. Uh, we were listening. We have a habit of listening to 987 on the way to church in the morning. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it ain't. Just going to be honest with you. This was one of those mornings when it ain't. Because there was a, I mean, I know the station probably closed and they got the thing on record and all they're playing is Christmas songs. But I mean, it's time of technology. Somebody should have programmed something for Sunday morning to say something about Jesus. Yeah, yeah I'm good with the temptations. I'm good with all them other folk. But in this period of time on Sunday morning, somebody need to hear something about Jesus. And I didn't hear a single song this morning on the way from my ride. Take me about 20 minutes to get here. Not one single song mentioned Jesus. That's a problem. That's what's wrong with the world. Because the message of the day has gotten lost in the day. Yeah, Christmas is not about Christ to some people. It doesn't have anything to do with Christ to some people. I was in Winn-Dixie this week and I walked around. I have to convict myself to intentionally talk to folks. All right, not just pass them, not just greet them, not just say, hey, how you doing? And this young guy there who was, who was, he was working in the store and he was putting some items on a shelf and organizing them. And I walked by and, and I said, I said, Merry Christmas to him. He turned to me, he said, Merry Christmas, which is my opening. 
I said, you ready for Christmas? He said, no, nah, not for real. I said, really? I said, why, why did you say you're not ready for Christmas? And he said, well, I don't know. You know, I just really, you know, don't. I'm just kind of ready for it to pass. And I said, well, do you know what Christmas is all about? I'm in it now. He can't push me out the conversation. I didn't push my buggy to the side and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm he's taller than me, of course, but I'm looking up at him. And I said, Well, do you do you know? I said, You you're not ready for Christmas because you haven't bought something for somebody. Is that what the deal is? He said, Yeah, not for real. I haven't bought anything. I said, You don't have to. I said, You don't have to buy anything for anybody to celebrate Christmas. And he didn't, he didn't, his reaction told me that that was interesting to him. That was an interesting concept. And I said, man, because Christmas ain't about you buying nothing for nobody. I said, do you know what Christmas is about? And he said, he said, yeah, it's about Jesus' birth. I said, you got it. I said, so if it's about Jesus' birth, then why in the world are you concerned about buying something for somebody? As long as you celebrate his birth, as long as you, I said, you know him, don't you? Yeah, I know. I know. I said, "Have you accepted him?" I'm in it. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to the back to look for some water. All right, we about to baptize him today. Baptism on aisle three. <laughs> anyway, he and I had a long conversation about Jesus. I was convinced when I walked away from this young man that he had a better understanding of what Christmas is about. He said when I left, man, thank you. I appreciate that. He turned around and continued doing his job, and I turned around and continued doing my job. I mean, I ever see this young guy again. But he and I celebrated Christmas on our three. And I came to tell you today, that's what Christmas is about. If I can alleviate some stress from that young man, from you, about what today really means, then we really will have put the spirit of Christmas back into play. My problem with 98.7 is that they've reached so many people and failed so miserably this morning to be able to talk to them. They have such a brilliant platform. And I know Leo would have been on there preaching. I don't know what the deal is, but whoever it is needs to understand that if you're going to say you're celebrating somebody's birthday, you ought to at least mention their name in the celebration. To be Doing otherwise is just rude. Just rude. And we, we love talking about folk being rude these days, don't we? Yeah, yeah. So that's my that's my riff on that song this morning. But today I want to continue and finish up real quick on this sermon because I want you to get to spending some quality family time together, even though this is quality family time. Coming to church together is quality about as quality as it can be family time. And I'm glad you didn't think it was a robbery from your celebration of Christmas to be here today. And then I see many of you have brought friends and I see you brought folks who used to be here all the time, who have traveled on, on teenage trips with us and had a good time in DC. I see Michaela over there. Yeah, Chancellor. Uh, Chandler, I see you. I see you. Uh, all you folk over here. I see the, my, my, my kids from college are here today. Yes, you brought people with you. Somewhere somewhere in your conversation, you told them, you know, I'm going to church for Christmas. And they were friend enough for you to say, hmm, maybe I'll go with you 
But what is it about you in church that make you think they should come to church with you? Because I think that's a special friend that you'll bring to church with you. Because I guarantee you it was some that you didn't say that to, but maybe you should have. Maybe you should have. Maybe that's what church is all about for real. The ones you don't really get along with. Not just your good, good friends. I know you want them to be there. But think about this. When you get to glory, heaven, heaven, and you look around, don't you want to see everybody you know? Let's be honest with you. No matter how much you dislike somebody, you still don't want them not to go to heaven. Considering the alternative is eternal misery. So even the folk you beefing with, I want you to know Jesus too. And that's our job moving forward. So what's Christmas about today? I love it, the fact that Romani and his brothers sang the song. They sang the title to the song today. They couldn't have known it because they sang their song weeks ago. And I want to I celebrate all these parents who take the time out yeah, to do this, to teach the kids. I'm celebrating you. Yeah, teaching them these speeches is like teaching them many pieces of scripture and theology. And this stuff that they, they may not even remember a scripture that they learned in the Bible, but they may later in life remember a Christmas speech that keeps them or puts them in line. That's simply how it is. It's kind of why we do these things. I'm sure there was a time when Christmas speeches like that were just scripture. That people would stand up and recite passages of scripture. We realize now that we can teach them more and so I'm, I'm grateful, Marche, bless you, long service doing that. Thank you so much for everything you do in that space. Um, the trick to teaching kids Christmas speeches is to start as soon as you get it and to make them do it every night. Every night, just go through it every night. Say it every night. And then by the time you get to recording, they know it. I know that works because it worked for me and mine. I know it works. And we usually try to give them out around Thanksgiving, which means they have several weeks. And the reason why we, we record it like we do is to take away the nervousness from being in this room. Some of them would not have presented half as well standing here looking at us. But when you're at home and your mama's sitting over there with a, with a camera in her pajamas, or your daddy in his pajamas or whatever, his sweatpants, whatever, it's just a little less tension. And it makes you a little bit better uh, at presenting it. Matthew 1.23. Very, very appropriate scripture for today. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now think about that for a moment. God, 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 creator of everything we know, God, the maker of everything that is, the protector, keeper, God, the one every human being ultimately seeks to know better, God, that God with us in this space, Emmanuel. And so the song that's on our playlist today is one that we don't sing often, but I thought that they did a fabulous job, and I love the way God puts things in perspective. They did a fabulous job 
singing it. O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's our song. And then they said, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Why do we rejoice? Because Emmanuel has come. Why? Well, it's simple. Because we all may love folk, but we love folk different up close. All right, we love folk, but we love folk different when they get near us. That's what just happened with Friendly Church period, right? We haven't seen folk for a long time and just being in proximity. Some of you have been checking us out online, virtually, and you got a chance to come in here today and just seeing. And I mean, I saw you. I mean, Joy was like, I didn't remember you that short. I mean, it was, it was just seeing. You, it's one thing for me to see you dribbling basketball if I you. It's one thing for me to see that. It's another thing for me to daft you up and say what's happening. All right, that connection matters to us, to us. I understand Brianna's doing big things over there in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but it's another thing for me to see her and say, I'm so proud of her and to hug her. And that's validating. That's validating to us. That means something. It means something that she would do whatever it took to travel during this time to come to this place. I know she didn't really come just to see Reverend Spark. I know she came to see her mama, but the fact that she would break off time with her mama and come see us here is meaningful. And think about this. Jesus was already a prince in heaven. And he allowed himself to be sent here as not a prince, the furthest thing away from a prince. He allowed himself to come here as a baby. What can be more helpless than a baby that's dependent on someone and not, rather not just a baby, but a poor baby? Not, not poor. Not, not poor on benefits. Hope, baby. I mean, with nothing. Born to mama and daddy who have nothing. This is the king of universe. The one to whom my Bible says at one point in time in the future, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord, allowed himself to be sent here on a mission for you. Everybody say for me. For me. He came to rescue me. What did he come to rescue me from? He came to rescue you from the situation that was set up by Adam and Eve. When they did not value being near God. You know, if you go back to Genesis and read, you'll find that every day Every day, Adam and Eve were able to spend time with God personally. They were in the garden. The Bible said they fellowship, they were communing every day until they decided that they wanted to know the same thing that God knew. And that's when the sin entered. Satan convinced them that God don't want you to to, to eat off that tree because when you do, on the day you do, you'll know as much as he did. And it's the us and us that makes us think that we ought to know that 
it's the pride, it's the conceit. I want to know that too. And so Eve and Adam, Adam don't get off because he don't say nothing. All right. In the Bible, it don't have Adam saying nothing. He just following along, bobbing his head. Eve, Eve doing all the talking. She walked him right into sin. Devil told him, if you do it, serpent told him, serpent told him. If, if you do it, God said you'll die, but you won't really die. Put that doubt in their mind. Maybe what God said isn't true. They found out it was because they didn't physically die. But what they did was kill the connection. They killed the fellowship. They killed the closeness between them and God. And that's passed all the way down to us. And the reason why Emmanuel came is to put us back together again with God. How do I know it's true? Because in the Bible it says, Genesis 3 and 23, it says that, so the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So not only really ought to be mad, I mean, because they were living in paradise in, in Eden, and then they messed around and sinned, and then God put them out and told them, from now on, you got to clock in. All right, not only you got to clock in, you got to work. If you, want, if you want some apples to come out of the ground, you got to plant some trees. You want some tomatoes to come out of that, you got to plant some vines. You got to work to get what I gave you freely. That's what we got when we got pushed out of the garden, and then to make it certain that they wouldn't come back, the Bible says that God put flaming swords at the entrance, at the entrance of it. It says, Eden, he said, uh, let me read, he said in verse 24, after he drove the man out, man and woman, he was riding. Remember now, see, he's ride or die. All right. So they rode out. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. In other words, you cannot come back in here anymore until you're granted entrance into this. And man tried. That's what the rest of the Bible is about. Man trying to get back into good accord, into good relationship with the Lord. We tried everything we knew how to do, and we couldn't do it. And because he's such a loving and gracious God, he realized we could never figure it out of our own because we always get in the way always get in the way of the situation. We always got to put ourselves above what God wants. And because of that, he said, the only way I can get reunion with you is to send you away. And the way he sent us is named Jesus, Emmanuel. And that's why today we sing, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. We're praying for him. People have been looking for him for, for centuries to come and he promised them. I love this. I love this about God because he would not keep us guessing. He always promised and sent a sign that the promise was going to come true. Yeah, throughout the Old Testament, you will see various signs that the Messiah, he's coming. When God gets ready to send him, he's coming. When it says time on God's clock, he's going to come. It's important because waiting can be so very, very hard. 
two things, two stories I'm going to tell you today. I'm going to embarrass both my children today. Again, again, yeah. Um, I have, I have what I call hugging trauma. All right, put things into context. Hugging trauma because of an incident that happened between me and and Brittany when she was a toddler. I had gone on a trip to Virginia, and I was stationed at Fort Polk, Louisiana. And I know I'd been talking to Karen, who was in Louisiana with the kids that week. I'd been talking back and forth with her, and so I'd get on the phone, and she would babble back, and da-da, da-da, talk to me on the phone. So she knew, she knew I was there on the phone. And so I flew back that weekend. I'd left out. I was gone for a whole week. I left out the previous week because um, of the way uh, the land, where Fort Polk is situated in Leesville, Louisiana. Uh, the airport that I had to leave from was in Alexandria, which was 50 miles away. All right, 50 miles away. So Karen had to drive me up there, drop me off, and drive back to Fort Polk. You know, I was really more concerned about her driving the 50 miles back and forth with the kids than I was me flying. Yeah, she 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 handled it. Took them, got them. They maneuvered the whole week. I really didn't have any choice about going on the trip. I was ordered to go on the trip as part of my job. Um, and so anyway, that Friday I'm coming back. I'm flying back in. Karen has to drive back to Alexandria. The kids have been dealing with it all week. And Brittany, I know, was used to me coming in at night in the evening. I go in and I play with her and and deal with her and Anthony, read to him or do whatever. This is common to her. She's used to fellowshipping with me. It's part of what makes everything okay with her, just like we were when we were in the garden. But then I left. And to a, to a toddler, a week is forever. Even if he's calling and saying, I'll see you soon, I love you, you know, all the stuff you say, it's still forever. And so when I get the plane lands, it's one of them for real crop dusters that maybe lands. And because of the way the airport is made, you have to walk from the tarmac. You know, it wasn't one of those that pulled up dockside and you got out. You have to walk from the tarmac with your luggage in your hand. And I'm walking, and as I'm walking to, to the uh, terminal, I hear something in the crowd. I hear... Da -da, da -da, da -da. And all of a sudden, boom, out of the crowd. First, I guess she had, Karen had just set her down and she burst out of the crowd running to me. Da -da, da -da. Now, daddy took over. Protector. But that was the wrong daddy to come out. Alright, because I am in uniform. I'm like, I don't need my baby on this tarmac right now. I need her to move to a safer place, you know, because it's not safe out here. And so I just kind of, I just kind of guided her with my luggage. Come on, baby. Come on, I'm talking to her. Come on, baby. But what I should have done is dropped my luggage and grabbed her and picked her up and hugged her to validate the joy she felt in just seeing her dad. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I went for safety first. Now, when I got to the side, of course, I dropped my luggage and picked her up and squeezed her, and she was happy for the second. Then she wanted to get down and move. Move, go do something else. 
Yeah, that was enough. All right, let me go. All right, but my point is this. Since that time, and that's been 30 years ago, I don't miss a hug. Hug people when you get an opportunity to. I was so mad at COVID because COVID stops us from embracing people who matter to us. That's what God did. It's okay to love people from a distance, but there's nothing like the love when they come close to you. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I love you in heaven, but all oh, the love I have for you when I come to you in person. And that's why you ought to sing, come, come, Emmanuel, come, hug me, come, love me, come, walk with me. Because those of you who do not know Jesus don't realize how far away he, you are from him. And it's not a physical distance. It's a spiritual distance. It's, it's every time you lie, cheat, do something that's wrong, you get further and further and further and further away from him. And the world will deceive you to make you think you're living right, but all you're doing is getting more distance and more distance between you and God. And Jesus came to tell you, I'm trying to Close the distance. Close the gap between me and God. And that's why Jesus came. And so because he came to us, we can receive his love in person. Because he came to us, we can receive his love in person. And Jesus didn't stay with us all the whole time. He stayed here about 30 some odd years physically. But he loves us, you should know this, he loves us so much that he wouldn't leave us alone. Wouldn't leave us alone. In fact, what he did was say, before he left, you go read John chapter 16, 7 and 8, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you somebody who is just like me, who is going to love you and keep you the same way until I come again. And the one he left is called the Holy Spirit. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are never alone. Say never alone. Never alone. Because the Holy Spirit keeps you. You know I'm right. Because when you start doing something wrong and something says in your mind, uh, 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 you know you shouldn't be doing that. Put that blunt down. Now, you might not do it. But it ain't because he didn't tell you to. Oh, I know what a blunt is. Blunt ain't new. Yeah. I might not be young, but so is Reefa ain't young either. Yeah. We talking about old weed. Did they have weed at Jacksonville? Huh? Did it? That's what I'm saying. Huh? Huh? Yes, uh, I'm trying to tell y'all. Y'all think y'all done found a new toy. Yeah. Like stuff just turned green. Only reason I say that is because, you know, when you get your mind in that space, you make choices that aren't necessarily good. And for me, it wasn't necessarily weed. It was the drink. The drink. And too often, too much of it. Too much of it. It's amazing how much liquor that is on college campus. Amazing 
Amazing. Them folk would give us kegs. Yeah, they, Miller would advertise on campus. At the time, you could advertise on college campus when I was in school. And we had an annual step show. And it was sponsored by Miller Brew. And we thought we were doing good, real good, because it's part of our negotiation today with the, with the local rep who put it together. We said, all right, all right, all right, we won't. Uh, we want signs, all right, signs all over campus with Alpha's name on it. I'm going to put that up there. We said we want uh, awards for the folks who win the step show. Uh, we want three kids. Yeah, three kids. You know how hard it is to drink. AK, we want three. It was ridiculous. And guess what? It was free. Because the devil will come at you like that. He'll come, oh, ain't no word. No word. It's, it's free. It's on the house. It's on the house. On the house. And many of folk didn't even remember the step show. I mean, they just, to this day, they can't tell. They, they were in it. They were in the step show and can't remember that they were in it. Because of the freedoms. Because the, and the world don't stop there. I'm not just talking about folk in college. I can talk about that because I experienced that, and that's how I talk about me, my situation. But he don't stop there. All right, he'll always. The devil will always give you something for nothing that will mess you up. Be careful when you get something for nothing. Be careful when you don't have to pay for something when it doesn't cost you something. Because the things of this life, while the best things do come free, so do the worst things. But they certainly have a different cost on the other side. Yeah, have a different cost on the other side because the worst thing are going to keep you longer than you want to stay. And they're going to take you further than you want to go with it. And you're going to always find people who will ride some of the way with you. Yeah, they'll ride some of the way with you until they get too ready. And then they'll leave you alone. The Lord sent us somebody who can tell us, don't do that. Even if you don't have family or friends, don't do that. Watch it. Be careful. Be careful. Let that go. If you'll listen, you got to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. He told us that's the reason he's sending them because I need to be with you always. Because he sends somebody to us, we have light. We have light about life in this dark place. We, we can see our way on the pathway to living a good life because otherwise it would be dark. Imagine if God didn't send us the Bible. Imagine if he didn't give us the Bible. How dark would life be if we didn't have an expectation of hope of what was to come? We couldn't read, David, that at the end in Revelation, we win. Imagine what kind of hopeless people we would be if we didn't have an expectation that in the end, all of this is going to be okay. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine but we don't have that situation because God sent Jesus Christ. We have light. We can see our way through. And I'm so glad because some of us experience some dark times. And some of us experience dark times while we're acting like life is full of light. Yeah, because the world expects us to show light, even though we don't feel light. All right. And that's all of us, every one of us. Experience those times when life is dark for us. And if you don't have a hope to put 
into context what you're going through, then it can be really dangerous for you. And that's why you have to pay attention to folk. All right? Pay attention to them so they understand. Jesus Christ didn't just send us himself, didn't just leave us the Holy Spirit, but that's what I love about today. He sent us each other. We all are presents for each other. If we will allow ourselves to be a present for someone else, not just our family either, but for our friends, we have to pay attention to them. We have to love them. We have to be intrusive. And if you know you got a good friend, you ought to thank God for the presence of a good friend. If you didn't get anything, if you didn't get no gift cards, nothing like that, whatever it is, but Lord, you gave me a friend. You gave me somebody who cares about me, who looks in on me, who talks about things that are right, who shows me when I'm wrong. You ought to thank God for that presence. All right? That's light for you. God has given you that kind of light in your life. And because of that, because he's come to us in this manner, we can get close to one another. We can get close to one another. He's shown us that being close is a good thing, not a bad thing. We can get mad at each other and still be close. Still be close. It's an amazing thing to me that disciplined parents doesn't push kids away. Lack of discipline does. Lack of discipline. When kids have an expectation that discipline is going to come from their parents, but you ruin them when you don't, you ruin them when you don't discipline them. Have you ever seen a child, a parent getting on a child? Come here, didn't I tell you not to do that? I told you to leave that alone. I mean, they're going into it because probably because the parent is afraid and, and, and it's manifesting itself in what looks like anger, because sometimes frustration and anger look the same. All right, so didn't I tell you not to do that? And as they're disciplining the child, the child is reaching for them. The child is grabbing onto them, you know, because what the child is saying is, I'm sorry, I want to be near you. And that's how it is with the Lord. The, the, the Lord doesn't chastise us or discipline us to push us away. He does it to draw us close. And Jesus Christ showed us that example. Because as he was dying on the cross, oh, my God, you would think he would be upset with his parents, God, for allowing this to happen. But instead, he was praying to him. His connection at the point on the cross was to God. He was saying, Lord, I'm not liking what I am right now, where I am right now, but I give myself to you. He said, into your hands, I'm putting myself. And look, at the worst possible point of his life, he is still reaching for his father. Why? Because he knows that even in the most horrible point of his life, God still got to be for him. So no matter what these men who don't know what they're doing are putting me through, I'm still willing to trust you, God, even unto my ending on this cross. What a mighty testament that you ought to take with you that even when you're going through horrible times in your life, that he's still with you. He's still for you. And he validated that by coming to us. And then the last thing I'm going to tell you, and I'm out here, is this. The fact that he came the first time ought to give you some assurance that he's coming back. In um, 1989, no, 1989, 86 or 7, we were living in Tuscaloosa. And 
I was in law school. Karen was in school. And so because the two of us were in school, Anthony had to go to daycare. So we found this daycare that was recommended to us called Steelman Daycare Center. And we went. And so the first day that Karen took him, uh, now other than he had been primarily raised around the house and in, in Tuskegee, always people around. And he knew he was the center <laughs> of everybody's attention. All right, when he was there, he had no doubt about it. Um, he was constantly watched and loved over. But this day, probably one of the hardest days Karen's experienced, one of them, uh, she had to drop him off. And she had to leave him. Every parent's gone through this. How many of y'all know that's a hard day? First day you got to take your baby to school? Yeah, no different. No different for her. So as she's leaving, he gets a sense of what's about to happen. Because she's telling him now, take you. I want you to stay with the teacher. And she had already taken him by there to check it out. And as she's getting ready to step out, it hits him. You're going to really leave. <laughs> You're not going to be around me. So he loses. Yeah. So she goes back, you know, to soothe him. And his question was simple. He said, you're going to come back. He just kept asking, you're going to come back. And she, she assured him. She assured him because he was very verbal as a child. She assured She said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. So go in there and play with the kids. You know what you tell them. And he watched her as long as he could watch her leave. And then after school, when the time was over, I don't know what time she had to pick him up because I'm, I'm in school. I'm in school myself the whole time. And so this is her telling me this story. She said he was looking at the door because the other kids had already started going, you know, and they were leaving. He would, they were leaving, and her face wasn't showing up. And finally, she appears to get him. And the joy that he had on his face when he ran to her, because she came back and got him. I want you to have that kind of joy and expectation. Can you imagine what he did all day? He watched that door all day. Anybody walk through that door, the only distraction was the assistant teacher there who he had a crush on later at the end of the year. I'm sure she was a distraction for him. Yes. Sure. Oh, we do find things on this side that distract us from watching the door. There's a, there's a good metaphor there now. Yeah, they can get our minds off what we're waiting on. And in fact, we can substitute them for waiting on him. They're called idols. All right, yes, your little teacher can be your idol. But anyway, I want for you to have an, expectant, uh, an expectation that Jesus is coming back for you, just like Anthony expected his mama to come back and pick him up that day. And just like your child expected you to come. There was some doubt, but great hope that mama or daddy was going to come through that door. And when it's validated, all things are made whole.
That's what the Bible tells us, that we can expect that one day the Emmanuel who came on Christmas morning, the one who came on Christmas morning to leave us on Crucifixion Friday, who was resurrected again on Resurrection Sunday, is going to return to us again to take us all back to glory. The question is, will you go with him? That's the question. Will you be ready to go back with him? And I'm here to tell you, he wants everybody to go back with him. But you must first determine whether or not you're willing to be close enough to him to receive him. Because he loves you. There's no doubt about whether he loves you. He loves you. I came to tell you, you can ask the question, you're going to come back to him. Because the answer is going to be yes. Yes. And guess who he's coming back for? For you. You ought to say, he's coming back to get me. Yeah, he's coming back to get me. But make sure it's true. And when he comes back to get you, you want your whole household to be a part of it. You want all your friends, all your family to be a part of it. This is what's important. This is what we celebrate today. And so we can shout, oh, come, come, Emmanuel. I know why he came. I know why he came. He came to rescue me from Andre. He came to rescue me from being done in. He came to rescue me from being all that this world would push me up to be that's not right. What he really just wants me to be is his son, his brother. And I'm so glad I can claim that as a present, that Jesus Christ, he's my Savior. CJ, he's my Savior. He's mine. He's my Savior. I can claim him personally as my Savior. Jesus came to get me. He's going to take me back to glory. While our leaders come today, welcome us. Welcome you today. While they come to an opportunity to become a part of his family. If you've never, never, ever made a decision to join Jesus' family, today is the day. What a present to yourself to join Jesus' family by acknowledging that he came, lived for you, died for you, was resurrected for you, and now you give yourself to him as a present. If you've never made that choice today, then I invite you to do so. The doors of our church are wide open. Whosoever will, let them come in. Maybe you've been looking for a family, a church family. I suggest you give us a try. We're striving to do things right. Whosoever will, right now, let them come.